With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 174 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. As always, we do not miss a week around here. Very excited to be back for another week of NBA hoops, Knicks hoops in particular. Before we jump into the main headlines, we'll talk about Big stories uh, around the NBA on the show this week. We'll dive into how the Lakers and Clippers are getting started to the regular season. The Bucks are off to a good start as well. And of course, we'll revisit the week that was, a good week that was, for the New York Knicks and preview what's ahead, as always, on this podcast. Uh, some house cleaning uh, stuff to start off. I probably don't do this enough around here on the show, but uh, really would appreciate it, uh, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast, if you leave a rating and review, a five-star rating and review would really help the show. A lot of you have already done that, really appreciate that, uh, appreciate all the great feedback that the show has gotten over the years. Uh, probably should do that a little bit more, to be honest, around here, but I always just appreciate you know anyone that listens to the show, frankly, but We really would appreciate it. It always helps to build the show, grow it even more. So would really appreciate it if you guys would take the time to do that. And without further ado, let's jump into a positive week for the New York Knicks. Obviously, the Knicks were coming off the, despite being hard fought, a tough defeat against the Grizzlies on opening night. Knicks lose it 115 to 111. So how were the Knicks going to respond? I kind of remember going into the end of the last episode saying, these are games coming up for the Knicks this week that you'd expect them to win, right? You'd look at the upcoming schedule that the Knicks have and you'd say, those are games the Knicks probably should win if they're building off of the game in Memphis and 
this three-game homestand was a homestand where the Knicks really flourished. I think each of the teams they played uh, were more and more difficult as the homestand went on. It started with a, a pretty solid game against the Detroit Pistons on opening night at the Garden. Crowds have been great, by the way, as always. At MSG, it's great to see. I thought the Pistons game was really important because coming off a game where you took a contender in the West, arguably a championship contender, to the wire, the Knicks really needed this game against Detroit very badly early in the season, I know, but these are games at home where the Knicks should be winning. One one great stat um, that Mike Breen and, and Walt Clyde Frazier had brought up that, I, that I'd forgotten about, frankly, uh, from last year was that the Knicks were below 500 at home last season. It's not good enough, as we've talked about in the past. The Knicks have struggled at MSG, and I mean, really two of the last three years, the Knicks have struggled at MSG. It just hasn't been a home court advantage for them. And, you know, I think part of that is the fact that it's a big stage. Everyone wants to go there and give the Knicks their best shot. You're playing on Broadway. There's always celebrities in the front row. There's plenty of motivation for the opposing team. But there's got to be motivation for the Knicks as well. And we saw some of that this past week. I really was impressed with the way the Knicks handled Detroit in that first game. It was wonderful to see a performance from Emmanuel Quickly, who really shined in that game as well off the bench. It's kind of a classic Quickly start to a season. couple of dud games, but... He had 20 points off the bench. That led all scorers for the Knicks in a 130-106 win over, again, a Detroit team that has a lot of promise. You know, Jaden Ivey played well. Cade Cunningham played well. I think we may have briefly touched on this game last week. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... So I'm not going to touch on this game for a long time. But just just to reiterate, I thought this game was really important for the Knicks to get. Brunson and Barrett... Both had 17 and 18 points, respectively, and Obi Toppin, along with Derrick Rose, played well off the bench. So you come off of that game, and the Knicks make a statement at the Garden, and, and Detroit, again, I don't think Detroit is going to be very good this year, but the Knicks lost some games last year they should not have lost at home. One of those games, early in the season, right around this time last year, actually, uh, was a loss at home to Orlando, a game that we look back on and, and you kind of chalk it up to how, how do you lose that game at home? At MSG, that's a team you have to beat. The Magic came back into town again early in the season, third game of the year for the Knicks, and the Magic had been winless to this point. I think they're still winless since this game was played. The Knicks really needed this game, and... They played like it from the start. I really felt like this was a game where the Knicks dominated, and I think Clyde mentioned this on the broadcast. The Knicks dominated this game, but they never were comfortable in the game, meaning that the Magic never really went away in this game. The Knicks were thoroughly outplaying them for almost the entirety of the game. I think the only exception you could throw out there was maybe... The second quarter, I thought I thought Orlando kind of held their own in that quarter, maybe edged it 
Um, it was a tie quarter. I think that the, the quarter, second quarter, I think was a 31 up quarter, but the Knicks dominated the entirety of the rest of the game. They were really um, strong throughout, but Orlando kept on coming. And really quickly, I thought Julius Randle was phenomenal, and he's been tremendous in these early games of the season. Seems to really be buying back in to the organization. The fan base seems to be warming to him again. That was a talking point during the game against Orlando as well. And he seems to be back to playing his all-star level basketball that we saw from him a couple of seasons ago. And part of it for me is really the fact that he has Julius, Julius, Jalen Brunson, along with Julius Randle. Those two, and I, and I said this in one of the articles, one of our roundtable articles for postingandtoasting.com, and continue, guys, continue to read the articles on the website. Our entire writing staff's doing a phenomenal job, as always, on the site. I really thought that the relationship between Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, is, it's paramount for the season, right? It's really, really important that those two have a good relationship on the court. And we are seeing it. It is starting to already come together a bit between those two. And the Orlando game, I thought, was a really good illustration of that. By the way, Obi Toppin came off the bench, had highlight reel dunks, had that crazy behind-the-back pass after he got it from Brunson to Barrett on a dunk. Randall had a great dunk off a Mitchell Robinson block. Crazy handles from Brunson. Finds Randall who jams it. A lot of highlight reel plays in this game. I think Toppin had like three crazy good alley-oop dunks in the game as well. Knicks closed it out. 115-102. And I got to say really quickly as well. I know that you know Brunson played really well. Barrett, slow start, got better as the game went along and finished with 20 points despite taking 19 shots. He made three threes. That's always important. If R.J. Barrett's making some threes, that tends to mean he has a good night. Toppin was good off the bench. I thought Cam Reddish and Hartenstein gave some really good minutes off the bench. Hartenstein again on the offensive boards. Four of his nine rebounds on the offensive end. He's tremendous on the glass. But I have to say, I, I this was an Orlando team that I thought was kind of there for the taking to a certain extent. They are really talented. We all knew that Paolo Bancaro had a really good start to the season. You know, Franz Wagner is a talented player. Wendell Carter Jr. has been there for a few years. He had a double-double. We saw what Cole Anthony did at MSG last year. He started out that, he had, started out that way for him in the first half. He made some really, really tough shots in the game Terrence Ross is a veteran the big surprise for me is not that they have talent it's which of the talented pieces stepped up Franz Wagner played really well but Bull Bull actually I thought was arguably Orlando's best player in the second half seven foot two kid out of uh out of Oregon Manute Bull's son he was unbelievable and this is a kid that's been dealing with injuries he's still young he got injured while he was at Oregon and that's why he dropped in the draft hadn't hasn't quite gotten his career going 
I have to say, the Garden crowd seemed stunned by some of the stuff he was able to do on the court. For those that watched him in college while he was healthy, nothing new. This is why people were so high on him before he got injured. So the Magic may have found a gem here in Bull Bull. Regardless, they've got a lot of talent. I talked about this in my preview But it's the same thing with the Pistons, right? The Magic and the Pistons are not going to go anywhere this year because they don't have the chemistry. They don't have the cohesiveness that you need to win NBA basketball games. But boy, do both of those teams have talent. And the Knicks got a pretty good punch from Orlando in that second of the three at at MSG in a row. Knicks took the punch and, and withstood it. They really didn't skip much of a beat. And dominated, again, for 75-80% of the night. I thought they were the much better team. Again, barring maybe 5-10 minutes of that second uh, second quarter, I should say. I really thought that the Knicks were the much better team. They showed it. And it really ended up being, I think, a pretty much a wire-to-wire win. I think Orlando may have had the lead at one point in the second half, but it wasn't for very long. And the Knicks were able to put them to bed and win it by 13 points and again Randall Brunson Barrett good stuff from Toppin yeah okay from Fournier you you know again it's tough tougher for him now because with Jalen Brunson on the floor he's going to be taking somewhere between probably 13 to 18 shots a night Jalen Brunson and he's going to be getting you five to eight assists a night so It's going to be tougher for Evan Fournier to put up big numbers, but that's a good thing in a way. Because again, Fournier needs to be out there as a shooting threat to help spread the floor, but Jalen Brunson's here to take up a bulk of the scoring along with Randall and along with R.J. Barrett. So that was really good to see. And then the question was, right, can the Knicks beat a good team, (laughs) right? When you look at the Eastern Conference hierarchy, as I've ranked for you, uh, a couple of shows ago. Um, you know, th- these are two teams in the Magic and Detroit. Good to beat them. Definitely good to beat them at home. You know, the Knicks need to have a better home court record this season than they did a year ago. I mean, there's no question about that. So those were very paramount early season wins for the Knicks to get. No question about it. Because again, let me let me just because I, I I beg your pardon if I can speak. I have the number the Knicks last year at MSG. Because remember, Knicks Knicks only won thirty seven games last year. They missed out on the play in by six games. Knicks on the road were twenty and twenty one. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's actually better than uh, I think three teams that made the play in or or made the playoffs. That was a better road record than the Bulls, who were 6th, the Hawks, who were 8th, and the Cavs, who were ninth. So the Knicks did what they had to do on the road. But their home record was the worst of almost everybody in the East. The only, again, only three teams had a worse home record than the Knicks. And they were the three worst teams in the conference. Indiana, this is last year, Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando. The Knicks were 17-24 and 24 at the Garden last season. That's not good enough. Not good enough at all. 
And that's a big thing the Knicks need to reestablish this season. Again, two years ago, <laughs> you know, if we're talking the year the Knicks made the playoffs when they finished in fourth, the Knicks were 25-11 and 11 at MSG. And they were 16-20 and 20 away from home. If you win your home games, very good chance you're going to be in the playoffs or the play-in nowadays, right? I mean, there's a very... Good chance. And in 2020-2021, the outlier in that regard was Indiana. They only won 13 games at home out of 36, but they went 21-15 and 15 on the road. That's not always going to happen. So you have to win your home games. And the Knicks didn't do that last year. 17-24 and 24 a year ago. Not good enough, frankly. But this year, they've started off on the right foot at home. And the Knicks made it three out of three. Charlotte came in next. And this was obviously the the toughest of the three. Charlotte is a playoff team. They're probably going to be there again. I will say that the one, if you want to throw in a caveat uh, for this one, is is that there were multiple players for Charlotte that were out with injuries. Rozier uh, was out. LaMelo Ball was out as well. There were multiple players significant players but a good chunk of the core for charlotte was still there and it was a really good game from start to finish very tight knicks had the lead for a good majority of the evening to be fair they almost led wire to wire but charlotte came back and tied it in the fourth quarter it was a crazy sequence with uh randall thinking he's won it with a putback with a i think 30 something seconds to go 33 seconds to go Former Nick Dennis Smith Jr. gets a, a really tough up and under layup to go at the other end to send it to overtime. And, and and the Hornets actually had the last shot in regulation as well. Then in overtime, Jalen Brunson, and, and he was great in the fourth as well, but Jalen Brunson takes over in the fourth quarter, had a career-high 13 assists, had that crazy good dime to uh, to Mitchell Robinson who was able to easily dunk it in. But there was that wild sequence at the end. Again, Jalen Brunson hit a couple of huge threes, fourth quarter, but also in overtime as well. But then, was it P.J. Washington? I think P.J. Washington, in the final seconds, hit a shot that he thought was a three, but he had his foot on the line, and it only ended up being a two. Knicks played the foul game, which I thought was smart in the latter stages and made enough free throws in order to win the game. Now, Knicks ended up winning it in overtime, 134-131. Free throws in the end ended up being a big difference in the game. Knicks went 19 of 22 from the stripe. That's 86.5% from the free throw line. Charlotte went 20 of 30 from the free throw line. 66.7%. That's a huge difference. And again, you know, Charlotte on the road, right, takes eight more free throws than the Knicks. But they missed seven more than the Knicks did. (laughs) That's a huge difference in a game that's one possession in the end. But Jalen Brunson, 27 points, 13 assists. Randall... Uh, put in his 17, R.J. Barrett, 
Again, has had some slow starts, but had 22 points in the game and had eight rebounds. Evan Fournier was in double figures. Derek Rose and Emmanuel Quickly were both in double figures. And Cam Reddish, Hartenstein, and Toppin. Those three have been really good so far off the bench. They combined for 22 points off the bench as well. You'll take that if you're a Knicks fan. And the Knicks win it in overtime, 134-131. One of the early games of the season, I would say, in the NBA. Knicks have had a great start at home. You'll take three out of three. You beat a playoff rival at home. Knicks only play Charlotte three times this year. That could matter. That could matter when it comes to the play-in down the stretch. You know, head-to-heads could really play a factor here. But the Knicks have gotten a big win. They play each other again in December and then one more time in March. That's a big win for New York to grab. And after starting off the season with a tough one in Memphis, they follow it up with with three straight home victories at the Garden. And they're 3-1 and one with Milwaukee coming up next. So, very exciting. I think you have to be pretty satisfied with the way the Knicks have bounced back here. And again, this this game will happen the day the podcast goes out. So we'll talk about the Milwaukee game more next week after the Knicks play. But it's going to be a tough test. It's on the road. The Knicks actually, I think, won in Milwaukee last year, if memory serves. So they've had some success against this Bucks team. And we'll talk about the Bucks a little bit more in the second half of the show. But this will be the the second big test. You know, maybe third. You get those Charlotte in there. They're, they're a playoff rival for the Knicks this season. So this is another big road test. And it'll be very interesting to see. Bucks are 3-0, I think. 2-0 at home. Had a big win in Philly a couple games ago. So they are looking like a potential contender in the East. And we will see how the Knicks can handle them in Milwaukee. We'll take a break. We'll talk more Bucks. We'll talk Lakers. We'll talk Clippers and other big NBA storylines in the second half of the show. All that more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show We begin in the East, taking a look at some of the big storylines in the early parts of the season. Everyone's played, I think, four, five, three, four or five games, I guess, right, to this point in the early stages of this 2022-2023 regular season. In the East, a few things have stood out so far. Obviously, the Knicks are playing well. The Bucs are undefeated. I believe the Bucs are the last unbeaten team in the NBA to this point in the season and well the, and the Knicks will have a chance to change that Knicks will have a chance to knock them off and end the any chance of an 82 and 0 season um but yeah the the Cavs playing rather well they've won three straight similar stuff with the Knicks the uh Cavs started with a loss have won three straight just like the Knicks have and uh, the Celtics I think have gone reverse they they had three straight wins now they've lost so But so far, I mean, you throw the Knicks in there. The Celtics have been pretty good so far. The Wizards 
are off to a strong start, as are the Hawks. Bulls and Raptors, I'm kind of waiting to see on them, especially the Bulls. I still don't know what I think about the Bulls yet. But the bigger story in the East is is three teams that are towards the bottom of the conference right now. We expected the, the Magic in Detroit despite the talent they have to be there. Indiana's 1-4, but I again, they're not a great team. I think they'll be battling for a play-in spot, but I again, I don't know if they're going to get in. I just don't think that their team is talented enough or deep enough, frankly, to be a guaranteed spot in the play-in, especially, again, it's early, right? But the Knicks, the Hornets, uh, potentially the Raptors, the Bulls, the Wizards, the Hawks, like these are all going to be teams that are going to be in and around the Cavs, either in and around the play-in or above the play-in line. So I don't know where the Pacers really fit right now in that hierarchy, but 1-4 is certainly not a good start, and they're ha- they're going to have some work to do if they're going to be in the mix for a potential postseason spot, play-in or otherwise. So, But there are three other teams that I'm pretty surprised. I know it's, again, five games in for most teams here, four or three for others, but... Miami, I know they just won the other night. I think they're playing as I'm recording right now against uh, Golden State. I don't know what the score is right now. I'm pretty sure it's early in the game, so not much to write home about yet in that game. But Miami, they just handed Portland their first loss of the season, so that's a good sign. But up until that point, Miami had really been struggling to start the season they're two and three after that win over Portland and and to be fair Portland is a place where Miami over the years has really struggled they have normally not done very well in Portland so that was big right now right now it's they're down five midway through the second quarter at Golden State but they lost at home to the Bulls at home to the Celtics they barely beat the Raptors and then they lost to the Raptors in that in a little home-and-home. Home. Actually, it was no, both games were in Miami, oddly enough. Uh, they split, so they were 1-3, and three, and then they win their first road game rather convincingly over the Blazers, 119-98. Miami, I think, will be okay. I, just, I was just kind of surprised. Four games at home, Miami wins one of them to start the season. That's not a great start for them. This is a team that I think could be top three in the East. And the way the East is this season, slow starts could really get punished. If if we're in the month of December and you're not above the play-in line, you know, like if we're even a month from now, right? If we're eating turkey on Thanksgiving Day, right? And you're in the play-in spots or if you're below the play-in spots, it's going to be really tough to battle back into that top three or four for home playoff games in the first round of the playoffs. It, it's not going to be a year that's that you're just going to all of a sudden you know rattle off 10, 15 wins. It's just in the East. It's just going to be so tough to do that. I feel like this year, not many teams are going to be able to do that. So if you're put, if you kind of dig yourself a little bit of a hole. Getting out of it is not as easy as it as it could be in 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 past years, you know. Speaking of digging holes, I mentioned that Milwaukee came off a win over um, Philly a couple of games ago. Philly are one and four to start the season. Their only win 
is against Indiana at home. Every other game they've played has been against, uh, maybe except for the Spurs. If I didn't didn't catch that in my prep, I missed that. Lost to the Spurs at home. That's a bad one early in the season. But a loss at the Celtics, a loss to the Bucks, and a loss to the Raptors doesn't help either. They play the Raptors again on Friday night, day the podcast goes out. So that's a big one because Philly cannot afford to drop too many other games here. I know, again, I know it's early, but this is not a typical year in the East. It's a, it's the deepest it's been in a while, I feel like, in the East. And even the teams towards the bottom can beat you. They have talent. We've seen that with Detroit and with Orlando. I know they're 1-9 combined, but they have got talent on those teams. So, very interesting. I... I I know that we weren't sure about this next team going into the season. I know I, I, sure, I certainly wasn't. They lost again on Thursday to Dallas. But now the Nets are 1-4 to start the season. They had that abysmal opening night loss to the Pelicans. They bounced back with a win over the Raptors, but then they lost by double figures in Memphis, lost by double figures in Milwaukee, and then Luka goes for a 41-point triple-double in Brooklyn, and the Mavs win 129-125. I think the Nets play the Pacers next, and I think that one's on Saturday. The Nets, I, I don't know where I'm at with the Nets. I know it's early. I know they're really talented on paper. They always are with KD and Kyrie. But this was what I was kind of worried about in the preseason and why I kind of tempered my expectations with Brooklyn. You know, I, it's going to take time to figure it out with Ben Simmons. I get that, but I, I just, you know, you, you know, Steve Nash got tossed from a game the other time, the other night for his first ejection in his career. You know, Kyrie has to defend Ben Simmons in a press conference and, it's just a very, it's a very, uh, what's the right word? Just sloppy, I feel like. Start to the season for Brooklyn. It feels disjointed. I don't know if Steve Nash is the right coach for what is needed on this team. Very, uh, just an odd combination of players when you think about it as well. It, listen, Katie and Kyrie are on this team. And Kyrie can play all the games. So if Brooklyn is sitting here top of the East in, in February, I wouldn't be surprised. But these were, these were kind of the signs that I was worried about. And these first five games have kind of highlighted why Brooklyn could finish 6th, 7th, or 8th. Like they could be back in the play-in round again for a second year in a row. And... It, again, the East is unforgiving this year. You're really not going to get away with too many off nights in the East and still figure out a way to win. Like, it really, you got to be on your game in the East. And listen, I get that the, the Nets in particular have been sprinkled in with Western Conference teams to start the season. They've had to play the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks in their first three, and then the Bucks and the Raptors. It's not an easy start to a season for anybody. Anybody in the NBA would struggle with that start to the season. 
But the Nets have the Pacers next, and if they lose that game, and you're one in one in what is it one in five? If you're one in five, and you've lost to the Pacers, at that point, then you have to kind of look yourself in the mirror and wonder what do we have to do to win a game here? What's what's gonna change things for us? Just an in, in, inauspicious beginning to the regular season for the Nets and the Sixers in particular. But I, I mean, I know they just won in Portland, but I would even throw Miami in there. I really would. Miami is also off to a bit of a rough start. So interesting stuff. I, I'm definitely keeping an eye on those three teams over the next month because, you know, if we're sitting here in, again, November 24th, Thanksgiving, right? Is, is it on the 24th this year? That would be good to know before I just say that out loud. Um, yeah, it is on the 24th. I'll take that. Uh, if we're sitting here on Thanksgiving Day watching the NBA, the NFL, the World Cup, believe it or not, this year is uh, being played during the holidays. So it's going to be a crazy week for sports in November, that, that week of, of Thanksgiving. If we're sitting here and the Nets are still under 500 or they're still in the play-ins and around the play-in area, same with the Sixers and Miami, again, they're very good. They're very good teams. But, I mean, to be fair, we saw this with Brooklyn last year. Brooklyn had a rough start to the season. A lot of people thought they were going to figure it out. They didn't. (laughs) The, The Nets never figured it out last year and they suffered for it in the end the nets clinched the seven seed but they got swept aside by boston and after game one brooklyn never really put up a fight in that series and they paid the price for Kyrie being out for home games and for not playing well enough frankly against teams they needed to beat throughout the regular season And you get what you deserve in the end if you're the Nets last season. Now Ben Simmons, who's a part of his team, he he has been traded here. He's not hurt. He's ready to go. I just don't know what he's going to look like moving forward. For me, it's one of the biggest question marks in the entire East. Can the Nets figure it out with Ben Simmons? And right now, I don't know. I really, it's a huge question mark for me. I really don't know how this is going to work long term. And again, some Nets fans might just be happy that KD and Kyrie are still there. I mean, again, this could have been a very different Nets team if KD was traded and Kyrie jumped ship. But for right now, they're intact. I mean, that this is the other thing for the Nets. They're under a bit of pressure because if the Nets are not good or like really good by the trade deadline, who knows if we if we'll have to revisit KD and Kyrie sticking around at that point. The way they've been pulling trump cards out at the owners, especially KD. I mean, at that point, who knows what's going to happen? I I I mean, a lot is still to be decided in that regard. So Big question marks in Brooklyn. They continue to be a team that is so difficult to decipher. 
Last things, uh, last thing to look over here before we end the show is the West, where Portland's four and one, <laughs> Utah is four and one. What the bleep? I, I mean, I really again, it's early, but never in my wildest dreams would I would have would I have expected at any point this season for the Blazers and Jazz to be at the top of the Western Conference. I don't know how long that's gonna last. Fair play to Damian Lillard and company. They're playing really well. Other than that loss to Miami, Portland's been really impressive so far. And again, the Jazz. What? This was supposed to be a year you were tanking. It's unbelievable. And listen, the Blazers have not been playing slouches to start the season, right? They won at Sacramento, who could be a playoff team this year. They beat the Suns at home by a bucket. They went to the Staples Center or the Crypto Doc Who Gives a Crap Center in LA. Beat the Lakers by two. We'll get to them in a second. And then they crushed Denver at home by 25 before a, a tough loss at home to the Heat. So the Blazers making an early season statement. I love it. Now you look at the Jazz and you could say, well, and there's no well here. They beat Denver by double figures. They beat the Timberwolves. They beat the Pelicans. The last two they won on the road. Now you now you're saying, but they but Sean, they lost at Houston. Well, you know what? They got them back at home. Beat them by eight at home. Got revenge on them right away in a home and home series. They play Denver the day the podcast goes out this week on Friday night. Very impressed, I have to say. I know it's early. Utah, Portland, fair play. I I didn't expect it. A little bit of work to do for the likes of the Grizzlies and the Warriors early season here. I mean, the Spurs are three and two. How about that? Now, I I will say this. Last note on on Utah here. How good has Laurie Markkinen been so far for the Jazz? 22 points per game for the former Arizona Wildcat. This dude can play, man. He was a great player with the Bulls, dealt with some injuries. But he has been really nice for the Jazz to start the season. I'm curious if they can keep it up and kind of shock some people during the uh, during this season. You know, Clarkson's playing well. Kelly Olynyk's averaging in double figures. The Jazz actually have six players right now averaging double figures. Connolly Jr., Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, Olenek, Clarkson, and Markinen are all averaging in double figures so far. And you throw in Taylor Horton Tucker, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, a veteran in Rudy Gay who's still going to give you some buckets. This is a pretty good team, man. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. The West is just so good. But this is a team in Utah that's got some young talent on the team as well. You know, Walker Kessler is a guy. Ochai Abaji, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Some guys for the future, right, that are kind of waiting for their turn. Then guys that are, you know, they've had some years in the league, but they're waiting to flourish like a Colin Sexton, like a Laurie Markkinen. And then you have some veterans like Rudy Gay and and Mike Connolly Jr. and Kelly Olynyk kind of helping things out. And, and Jordan Clarkson is a good NBA player. Really good NBA player. Let's not mince words here. He's a good player. 
I, I just just didn't expect them to win four out of five to start the season. Utah, it's incredible, it really is. I'm curious. I'm so curious if we're like if, if we're here in a month and they're still around the top four. Same with Portland. I mean, what a start to the season for them, and we'll see if they can keep it up. One more note here, and I know we're running a little bit low on time here, but we are going to get to L.A. to finish off the show. And, I mean, if I told you on October 1st, right, if, if we were doing, even during the preview show a couple weeks ago, if I told you that the L.A. basketball teams, right, after five games were a combined, and again, the Lakers have only played four, keep that in mind, that they were combined two and seven through their combined first nine games of the season, I don't think anybody would have believed me. I really don't. Everyone was so high on the Clippers. Everyone was so high for some reason on the Lakers. No one is anymore, by the way. Anyone that was high on the Lakers, now that they're 0-4, has jumped ship. It's unbelievable how quickly... It's like the Titanic is sinking and the boats are are not being rolled out there and everyone's just getting the hell off the boat before it sinks. It really is remarkable. I think what's concerning about the, the Clippers, to kind of go to them first here, what's concerning with the Clippers, is, is I think, for, at least for me, is who they've lost to the last three games. I know they lost to Phoenix. Phoenix is going to be good. They've shown that they got a chip on their shoulder. I mean, if you take if you take anything away from Golden State, Phoenix, Phoenix has a chip on their shoulder. They don't want to hear about Golden State's four rings. They don't want to hear about the fact that they're the defending champs, that they got blown out by the Mavs in Game 7. They're here to right some wrongs this season, Phoenix. <laughs> and to be fair, beg your pardon, they're off to a good start. The Clippers... Beat the Lakers, beat the Kings, and you're thinking, all right, now they're going home against Phoenix. Let's see how they do. They lose, and then they lose back-to-back games against OKC. Those hurt. Those hurt. OKC's not expected to be very good. And actually, the second of those two, I think, just ended. They that they played earlier today on the on the day of the recording. So, not a good couple of games. Three-game losing streak now for the Clippers. They got the Pelicans next this weekend on Sunday. We'll see. I think the Clippers will be fine, right? You look at Paul George being there. Marcus Morris is a really strong player on this team. I think John Wall's addition to the group is going to be a welcome sign as well. And I think we're really just kind of waiting to see on, on Kawhi Leonard. You know, he's now, you know, he's now hurt. He's got another knee injury. And I think it's a stiff knee. If I remember correctly, I think that was an ESPN.com report from uh, Ohm Youngmasuk. So now Kawhi could be back out. So that's the concerning part for the Clippers, right? You've lost a couple games to the Thunder. That's bad enough. Now Kawhi is potentially dealing with an injury here. So a little bit of hesitation all of a sudden with the Clippers, who had high expectations coming into this season. So we wait and see. 
now we go to the Lakers to finish to really finish it off here. And this is just a stat I'm going to throw out there, right? Lakers played six games in the preseason, and they played four regular season games. Lakers have won one of those games, and it was a preseason win over the Warriors at Golden State. They went one and five during the preseason, and they've lost to Golden State. Beg your pardon. The Clippers, Portland, and Denver. That's a tough schedule, to be fair. That's a tough schedule. But the Lakers are 0 4. They've got Minnesota next, by the way, in Minnesota. Timberwolves are looking pretty nice so far. So we'll see. But the issue is, and it's it's unbelievable how often this happens, but there's just not enough shooting around LeBron. And there's not enough players around LeBron that are willing to fit into the system. And then when they get hurt, because they're going to get hurt, it's really going to fall apart. AD's an injury-prone player. Russell Westbrook's getting up there in age. And the fact that Russell Westbrook is one of your guys, again, I love Russell Westbrook. I think he's still a very good player. He doesn't fit in this Lakers system. He need he, he needed to go to a team where he could have more of the ball and take high percentage shots. And the Lakers are not asking him to do that. So he's not going to flourish with LeBron and AD. And again, I'm really worried that AD is going to get hurt again. And it's really going to fall apart. They're 0-4. And I looked at their schedule the rest of the month, even into November. There's not many gimmies on the Lakers' schedule until like the end of November, early December. I'll just rattle off the next five. Minnesota, Denver, New Orleans, Utah, Cleveland. That's tough. Utah's playing well. You got you got Utah again after that. I mean, the Clippers are later on in the schedule. Brooklyn, Sacramento, San Antonio, Phoenix, Portland at the end of November. I mean, Lakers could be in some big, big, big trouble here. And LeBron, in a year where he's probably going to break the scoring record, might not make the playoffs again. Again. What a rough couple of years it's been for the Lakers. It's It really is remarkable. And frankly, the Lakers really don't have anybody to blame but themselves. They put a bad team together here. A team that doesn't work well together. Doesn't fit the style of anybody that's a core piece of the team. How can you expect them to win under those circumstances? And 0-4, I mean, I'm pretty surprised. But to be fair, when you look at the teams they faced... Those teams are just better right now than the Lakers are. They're better teams than them. And if they're not careful, that's going to continue throughout the regular season. And it's not going to end with playing or playoffs for the Lakers if they don't get this right. And frankly, that might not even even be their biggest issue because they can't stay healthy, the Lakers. And the last few years have proved that. that's That's the other piece of the puzzle that the Lakers need to try to find if it's going to work out in any way for them this season. With that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk more Knicks and NBA next time 
on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.